Hi, I'm Avery Young, and this is the Norris Jung Podcast. From the subway train to the soccer field, everywhere I go, people have a story to tell me about their experience feeding and caring for their new baby. And so I decided it was time to amplify those voices so we can all know what's real and what's possible and make those who are beginning their parenting journey feel a little less alone. So today I'm going to be talking with Katie as she shares her story about her ups and downs with latching, what was hard, what helped her feel better, and where she hit roadblocks along the way. Hi, Katie, and welcome to the Nourish Jung podcast. I am so happy to have you here. Hi, Avery. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners today a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story? Yeah. I have been a teacher for my whole career. And then once I became pregnant with my first child, I was located in Atlanta, close to Avery, and was seeing the Emory OBGYN practice. So I knew I was going to deliver at the Emory Hospital and signed up for Emory breastfeeding classes ahead of time, took those, felt like I was super prepared to breastfeed, got a recommendation from my pediatrician to like to see Avery if needed for lactation consulting, but was in the frame of mind was like, I'm going to be fine. I've got this. Like if I need it, I'll make an appointment, but I'm just going to like go for it and see what happens. So (laughs) I delivered, everything was fine, but immediately had trouble with breastfeeding and immediate pain with the latch. And I saw, I think two different, maybe three different lactation consultants while I was in the hospital who gave me the advice of like grabbing the breast, (laughs) squishing it with your hand and shoving it into baby's mouth. So, you know, I tried to do what they were told, told me to do. And that was pretty much the same advice I'd gotten in my breastfeeding classes. So went with that, but was not successful. And tried to power through for probably a week. And then pretty quickly identified, like, I definitely need some more help. So that was when I reached out to you and started working on how to actually latch successfully. Yeah. So tell us about how... So obviously, I'll just say that I have a different approach to latching, which is not shoving or shaping at all. It's a gentle approach that really helps babies engage their reflexes. And can you talk to everybody listening about how different it felt for you, the difference in the feelings between the two approaches for latching? Definitely. I would say that I felt immediate relief once I was able to latch successfully that you I hear heard a lot from other moms and just in general and reading on the internet that you know it can hurt for the first couple of seconds or it'll hurt for weeks and then it'll be fine but once i actually learned how to approach with your reflex based repro- approach that it really doesn't hurt at all and it shouldn't if you're doing it the right way <laughs> so it definitely felt just it it took me a long time i'll say to master how to do it and i had to continuously yeah. remind myself how to how to bring baby to the breast, how to not like force her onto the breast and let her, you know, tilt her own head on and open her mouth wide. But once I like did actually learn how to do that, that there was no pain, that it felt way more intuitive, felt more connected to my baby, didn't feel like a sense of dread in feeding my baby. 
right? That's such an important, I think that's such an important thing to stop for a second and talk about, because I think that that is such a real feeling, like dreading feeling your baby. And the snowball about that is that you dread feeding them because it hurts. Like everybody would dread an experience that's painful. And then you feel really guilty about dreading feeling your, like dreading feeding your baby, right? It doesn't just stop with the latch. It like goes between sessions. Totally. And especially in those early days and weeks when it's nonstop feeding pretty much. Yeah. It definitely was so painful that I would have tears streaming down my face Mm -hmm. from the latch. And I would say to begin with, those were totally just like tears of excruciating pain. Yeah. But then it did get to the point where when you're doing that every couple of hours nonstop for weeks, that then it was also some emotional tears of like, yeah, I'm scared to do this. I don't want to feel this pain. But then also, as you mentioned, incredible guilt about not like, I don't know, being successful in feeding your own child. So very difficult. Yeah. And I think that it doesn't just stop like in childhood. My, I think what happens is lots of women get to the point where they physically and mentally can't handle the pain so they stop feeding, right? Because that's their body hits a wall where they can't go forward anymore. And then they feel really guilty for a long, long time about that choice, even though it was the right choice for them because there was, they didn't see a pathway forward. Like the idea that you just waited out for some magical day for it to happen to stop hurting. That Like how long can you sit through that? They waited for a long time. And then we bury that trauma kind of deep inside of ourselves, And that's why really, that's really what prompted me to start this podcast is because going places and telling people like, oh, I help babies feed. And everybody had a story to tell. And I was like, wow, nobody tells my electrical engineering husband about the time they wired their computer (laughs) as a kid, right? It's because there wasn't a trauma response associated with that. And I think there's so much trauma associated with our inability to do what we perceive as success for our babies that it just stays with us for such a long time. I, I don't think it ever goes away. Totally agree. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it ever goes away. And I think that's, that's what is so important to start talking about this. And also so that we can all push back on that narrative that says like, oh, just wait one day until it stops hurting, because that doesn't have to stay like that. Like, this is this, this is the change that that we want to see. And you said that you felt super prepared. So tell us about what you did to be prepared. Yeah, as I mentioned, I took a breastfeeding class that was several weeks. It was online since this was COVID time. So I didn't get in-person instruction, which maybe would have been beneficial. But I did multiple classes with a lactation consultant through Emory ahead of time. And then had read lots about breastfeeding, had talked to other moms about breastfeeding, and had talked to lots of moms who had had trouble too and warned me that it could be really challenging. But still none of that prepared me for the real experience. Is there anything you think you could have done differently while you were pregnant that would have prepared you for the experience? Honestly, listening to a podcast like this probably would have helped. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I think having set up a lactation consultant appointment aside from what I had in the hospital would have been beneficial. 
just so I had something set up earlier and could have gone to see someone like immediately after getting out of the hospital or instead of waiting for the pain to really kick in. Yeah. To see if it hurt. Like, to, yeah. And I, I think that's a really good point too, because I think people don't realize that a lactation consultant in the hospital has mm-hmm. a very different skill set than a lactation consultant that works outside the hospital because lactation consultants in the hospital, their job is to help make sure that babies can feed for day one and day two. And then like they go home and they may have some outpatient at hospitals, but people in hospitals are also often bound by what they can say based on hospital policies, right? And lactation consultants outside of the hospital may have access to a way different approach because they aren't bound by the same rules. They have a longer time. You get an hour with them. They have different skill sets. They're used to helping people from day two or even even from birth because they may help with home births, but for a much longer period of time to kind of get a better idea of what works and what doesn't. Definitely. And on that same note, some of the people, the two women that I saw in the hospital I asked them, I was like already starting to have some cracking and bleeding on my nipples. And I asked them, what's going on with this? And smushed nipples too immediately, which definitely learned later from you that it was related to my baby's tongue tie and bad latch. But, you know, I asked them like, like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. What do you recommend? And pretty much just got no response. Like, it's fine. Carry on. And then as soon as I saw you, you were like, no, this is not fine. (laughs) Here's what we can do about it. Yeah, that power through, right? Like power through. And if you can't power through, then like you're, then you're a failure, I think is that mentality that sort of has percolated down and it's so hurtful and harmful. It is. And I honestly think that if women didn't feel guilty about that, because they do think that it's because they didn't try hard enough or they didn't push through hard enough or they weren't like strong enough, then we would all be grabbing angry pitchforks and running down to these places saying you have to do a better job of helping people because this isn't some sort of moral deficiency in all women. This is lack of support that's coming from the top in the places that are supposed to be helping us. Totally. And one piece of advice that you gave me when I first started seeing you that really stuck with me was you said that you had talked to lots of dog breeders and and looked at like do- like young dog mothers who were feeding their their puppies and that you got the response of like what would you do if your dog like had bleeding nipples and they're like oh like we would never even get to that point like they would have been in like had all these treatments and blah blah blah, blah. and I was like wow like okay like this really kind of like changes my perspective a lot on my own feeding experience yeah i think like it's so it's so profound how much we've normalized women having damaged nipples that have blood associated with them. Like, imagine that as an evolutionary strategy, right? Like, there is no way that anything anywhere would select for blood constantly every time you were feeding your newborn when you were in your most vulnerable state. Like, that is a giant neon flag to every predator in a five-mile radius that's like, hey, now's a good time. Come on in, right? Like, this is not a thing. And it's not a thing in any other mammal species except for us. And so we need to step back and say, hey, why is that? Instead of blaming, right? We're putting the blame on women for not being enough. 
instead of really stepping back and saying, hold on, why, why is what we're doing not working? Like what's really the cause of that? Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've read some articles. I did some talks on this and like, there was this big article, like that was like, we don't really understand why latch pain happens. Really? Because like there's fighting. (laughs) I mean, it seems to be pretty obvious to me that the reason that latch pain happens is because babies are biting our nipples when it goes into their mouth. Like how have we missed this memo? (laughs) Totally. And just how strong their gums are too. Even like, oh, they don't have teeth. Like it can't hurt. No, it it is very strong. (laughs) Yes, it can really hurt. Right. And I have like if men had to feed babies this would have been solved a long time ago 100 <laughs> so tell us about the tongue tie yeah so tongue ties were something i had never even heard of until my baby was already born and i had very briefly heard someone a friend who's a midwife mentioned tongue ties shortly after my baby was born but really didn't think anything of it did not think that this would have applied to me. And it was definitely just from you looking at the latch and looking at baby's mouth and tongue and cheek. And ultimately she had like every part connected that wasn't supposed to be connected in her, in her mouth and identifying it, that it opened my eyes to what this was and how much of an effect it can really have on feeding. And then once we like delve more into it, you and I talked more about it. We had a, a dentist like do the, the deconnection little phrenectomy. And like my husband and I talked about it a lot more. We reflected on like his experience growing up and needing lots of speech therapy. Um, and we're like, wow, like, did you have a tongue tie? Like, we know this like could be passed down. Like this makes so much sense in a lot of ways. And definitely figuring it out, dealing with it totally changed my feeding experience. Did it help make your feeding experience better? Was Were you someone that had like the, the magical, like this is way better right after? How did it work for you? Yes, I would say after the procedure, it did definitely improve my feeding experience. And luckily, she was the whole time she was able to get enough milk, despite the ineffective latch. But it was definitely very painful for me before and did improve after the procedure. Good. So, so you got some resolution with your latch pain, but it didn't get completely resolved until after the release. Is that fair? Yes, I would say it definitely fully resolved after. Although I definitely still had some challenges after because due to all the pain before I did some bottle feeding, like pumping and bottle feeding just to give myself a break from the latch pain. And then she got very hooked on the bottle. And then ultimately, like, especially as she continued to get a little bit older, had some breast refusal issues with that. So ended up still doing a lot of pumping throughout the whole time, even though I would say the latch pain did improve after the phrenectomy. So you had, how old was she when you had the breast refusal? She was, I'd say it started when she was probably three, four months. And then it got really bad once I went back to work when she was five months. And then she pretty much completely rejected the breast around six months. So you stopped nursing her at six months? Yes. I continued to pump exclusively until she was one and she was probably 60 to 75% breast milk fed Yeah, from when I went back to work until she was one. 
and then other supplements supplemented with formula because I just could not pump enough milk. There's not enough time in the day also. And also that is a very amazing way to feed a baby, right? Like I think we want to, I want to pause right there because now I hear in your voice a little bit of that, like I couldn't yeah. do that. And yes, you could. And yes, you did, right? You pumped for a right. year. You gave your baby what you made and then you fed your baby. Like that, that's amazing. Thank you. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So then at one year you stopped because pumping is a lot of work. It is so much work, so much cleaning. It's so hard on your breast too. Even with the right flange size, it like causes so much chafing. And yeah. when she got to one, I just, okay, this is it. <laughs> We're going to switch to cow's milk now. Yeah. And I like, I think that's, that's awesome. I love that. That's the part that I think when we can stop blaming ourselves. Yeah then we can step into this empowered place of celebrating what we could do and saying like, look what I did. Like I fed this baby, the milk that I made for my body. I did a lot of work that I can celebrate. And however much I was able to do was enough. Like that was enough full stop, right? It didn't need to be more. There wasn't another thing that I should have done. I did the right thing for my baby. And now that Lyra is 20 months old, tell us a little bit about where she is now. Yeah, absolutely. It's Lyra. Oh, thank you. Sorry. (laughs) Yes, she is thriving. She's in preschool and loving it after a rough transition, but really enjoying it now. Talking at the storm, running all over the place, very bossy, very headstrong little girl. (laughs) So really, Lyra's doing great. She's doing great. And you guys are connected and bonded and all of the things. Totally. Yes. Feeding her formula pumping did not affect my connection with her, like on an emotional mother-daughter relationship way. Yeah, good. Or it did it did affect it in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it sometimes if feeding is really hard, then making a change is what lets us actually have that connection that we're seeking. The difficulty prevents us from being able to connect because it's we're so overwhelmed with our experience in that moment that we think that this is the way forward when really there may be a different way forward that actually ends at a better place. It's just hard to see it. Definitely. So if you could go back and do anything differently, would you do it differently now in hindsight? That's a great question. I think the only thing that I really would have done differently in a way that I could have foreseen something is just, as I already said, to have an appointment with a lactation consultant earlier but looking back on it, there's just no way that I could have predicted, you know, that she was going to have tongue tie issues, that I was going to have breast refusal issues. So no, I don't think in the grand scheme of thing, things, I would have done anything differently. Or the things that you would have done differently might not have helped with where you ended up anyway, right? <laughs> right, definitely. Yeah, I think like our brains are so funny, because our brains are so good at like worrying about things, but not actually being able to see like there's any other different like reality that we we could have ended up and and that's the thing with the prep is that most of the courses and most of the classes are always built on best case scenario and right. i think they don't want to say the hard things because they're afraid that if they like tell women that it's hard then women won't do it that's so true and i was definitely in a like OBGYN practice and at a hospital that was very be- breast is best focused, which 
is fantastic in so many ways. And I like totally support feeding breast milk if you can and able and want to, but it does, it is also fairly challenging for turning people like making people uncomfortable with breastfeeding or scaring them away from it if they're trying to like force it on people. Yeah. I actually think the idea of breast is best is harmful. Yeah. Because I I think it actually goes back to an idea that we don't trust women and we don't trust that women would innately want to feed their baby breast milk because like without it being best, like just trust women that they would if they could. And if they don't instinctively feel that way, then it's not the right pathway for them because they can't for whatever reason. And if we just trust them and support them and make that accessible for them, then we don't have to tell them it's best because they already know. And then the women that can't or don't or are in so much pain don't carry the guilt of not giving their baby the best, whatever that is, for the rest of their life. Yes, it feels very judgmental if you can't do exclusively breast milk or exclusively chest feed or. Yeah. Or, or any of it, right? What if there is no best? Like the only best is the way that is allows that family to move forward in a place that feels supported and connected and heard. Right. That's, that is best. That is best for sure. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, for sharing your story and your experience with new parents. And as we wrap this up, if you have one final piece of advice for folks listening right now, what would it be? We're thinking about where I am right now in toddlerhood and also how that kind of relates to the newborn era. I would say my piece of advice is to really be proud of and enable your baby's independence. Like I'm thinking of right now in my day-to-day life, like watching my daughter spend five minutes trying to put her pants on, <laughs> getting right, like put, taking them on and off, putting one foot in, <laughs> putting another foot in, whatnot. And me being there, like really wanting to control the situation and just put them on for her and get out the door. <laughs> but then second back and be like, no, like she's not asking for help. She's not frustrated. She's just practicing this over and over again. I need to like let her be independent and do this. And I think that actually that same mentality applies and would have been helpful to, for me to really appreciate earlier on in my feeding journey because you showed me just how independent newborns are from day one and feeding themselves essentially and getting to the breast and opening their own mouths and finding the breast, moving their head, opening, you know, opening wide and then leaning into the breast and latching successfully. And if I hadn't tried to just force my breast onto her and, you know, manipulate it in a way that I thought was right, that she maybe it would have been, and I would have been more successful earlier on. I think that is brilliant words of wisdom. And it's also so hard to do, right? Like you could just tie the shoe for them, but like letting them do it is the hardest part of being a parent is letting your kids do the things even when it's hard, right? Exactly. It is very tough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again for joining us today. I really appreciated having you on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Do you have a story to tell? If your feeding experience has been transformative for you and you'd like to share it with others, then please let us know. We're always looking for new stories to let other people know what's possible. Just send your name and a short overview of your journey or even just your words of wisdom for new parents to stories at norrisjung.com. 
And if you need support or want to connect with other parents who understand what you're going through, then make sure you head over to nourishjung.com and check out the Nourish Jung community so we can help support you in your journey too.